0: Welcome to the premiere edition of the TV Line Podcast. We're kicking things off with a series of expanded Q&As with our Dream Emmy contenders. These are actors and producers we believe deserve to be recognized at this year's Emmy Awards. Included in that list is my first guest, whose haunting, terrifying, heartbreaking work as Norman Bates in Bates Motel's fifth and final season should land him a Best Actor nomination, at least if there's any justice in the world. Freddie Highmore, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you for your kind words.
0: So last night, the finale aired. It's officially over. Do, do you feel like it's over? Like now that it's aired, you can move on?
1: I guess being back here the next morning with you makes me think it will live on beyond the um, beyond it purely airing on, on TV. But it is uh, it is sad I think it I think it certainly has hit home now that the core group of people who have worked on this show will never you know in all likelihood work on something together in, in the same way And so it does feel like the last few days have been uh, you know, a, a goodbye of sorts to that, to that core group that we've, that we've had over the, over the five years as we all go on to different things and some of us working together on stuff. But getting everyone in the same room or in the house in Vancouver again will be probably a long shot.
0: Everyone I speak to connected to the show talks about the bond that you had up in Vancouver and just the close-knit family atmosphere. Did you guys have a goodbye dinner together. I mean dinners were always such a big part of the show itself.
1: Did you did you have one in real life at the end? I know we should have. We should have there are so many things you look back and think you should have done in the house, you know, had more people over, had a real <laughs> dinner there. Um Vera and I were always saying we would, you know, spend a couple of nights there. You know, we'd sleep in each in the, you know, her and Norma's room and me and Norman's. But none of that ended up happening. Um, it's funny. I guess the end is always. I mean, the scenes themselves felt climactic, um, especially the you know the last one with Max and those last shots of the three of us with with dead Norma just sat there in the chair. Um, that felt like a like the sort of true endpoint of the of the show when we did that scene. But at the same time. Yeah, it's the the sort of anti-climax of no one, not everyone being there on the last day and not everyone sort of moves on and and is done. And that they had started ripping down the house before we started finish, before we'd even finished, you know, before we started the last day. um, We had finished up all the exterior motel stuff out in Aldergrove where they built the big house and the motel and the steps. And the next day we were just back in the studio and look up at lunchtime and we see bits of the house being brought by on this truck uh, and there's like the lovely rose window that sort of floats past the catering truck and it, it was funny seeing the pieces of the motel come back in and having been destroyed. But I think bits are being auctioned off so maybe I should just you know get online and start bidding for as many pieces of memorabilia and as I can. Then rebuild it in your backyard. Exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, this season, you had more to do than ever before, and partly that's because Vera wasn't in it as much. You mm-hmm. know, you were essentially playing a dual role. How exhausting was it for you, and was there a little feeling of relief when it was over?
1: I think, I, I don't know, there's, there's always... Um, you know, I'd never want to become... Uh, I feel so lucky to have played this part and so fortunate to have done it. You know, I wouldn't want to be... An actor who says, oh, my life is so hard and it's so tricky to do what I do because ultimately it was a a joy and I was, you know, wanted to do it, be there every single day. And of course it, it's exhausting as it is with all things and I think everyone in the the whole crew who works so hard, you know, and out in the rain and the cold in Alder Grove and the long hours and the emotional intensity of the scenes probably do take their toll, but underneath it all was this... You know, excitement every day when you go into work that this is what you want to be doing and that you look forward to every single day. There was never a moment where you thought, oh, I wish it would all be over. Um, that, you know, just came all too soon in a way. But no, I, uh, of course, there was more for Norman to do this year. And, uh, but the challenges are fun, the challenges are exciting and stimulating, and getting to play mother. Uh, more so than ever before this year you know not only in terms of the you know the dresses and the high heels and the wig i mean that's the sort of easy part but coming up with the character and how she walks and talks and has traits of norma and at the same time is her own distinct person and norman's vision or version of his mother um, coming up with that was 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 fun
0: how did you come up with that were you studying vera from afar or from Norma from afar those
1: first couple seasons just quietly picking up little mannerisms? I think subconsciously I was. I mean, even when um, even when I, you know, you realize this is where the story, I guess you realize it from the beginning, but this is where the story's going and we're here now. Um, it was not a sort of studied attempt, I don't think, to replicate Vera's mannerisms. It was more something that you that felt natural. You know, I think Vera and I are best of friends and, and you are so used to working with that person and so used to seeing the brilliant, you know, the brilliant Norma, the character she's portrayed so wonderfully all these years that you feel like you know the person. And so it was a more natural, organic process, I guess, than thinking, you know, carefully watching the way she moves her hands or you hear her voice in your head having spent so much time around it. Did
0: Vera have any notes for you was she watching your performance at all and says, mm, I don't know that mother would do that
1: yes absolutely we'd both be it was a it was a very collaborative um, process coming up with them with the mother character and we'd both you know offer each other different uh, suggestions take after take I mean most of the scenes pretty much all of them um, were you see me as mother, we also shot those with Vera and vice versa, the stuff when you see Vera's, um, especially more towards the end, they kind of shot bits of that with me. So we'd kind of sit in the same chair, take after take, and they'd you know, vary the lighting a little bit and we'd just slot in and give it a version and then Vera would do another version and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was fun. It, I'd never done anything like that before, the sense of collaboration around creating one character Um, and that kept it it certainly kept it fresh
0: and is it almost like anything that you do after this has to be easier than I mean the juggling act that this role required I mean it's a very unique experience that you had with this character Uh, some would say once in a lifetime
1: I do have that feeling that it was I mean I'm also optimistic that that, that, you know to it's not all downhill be, for me. <laughs> yeah exactly i mean at 25 it would kind of be a shame to look back in you know 50 60 years but um, but it certainly is it i mean it will always be like a highlight of of my lifetime and you know such formative years in in my personal life as well to be doing a show i mean personal life just the fact that you know I was sort of 19 when i started and 25 now and the amount that you change and Grow and a lot of it is, you know, probably by dint of being on that show and the people that you're you're around in in that way. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's 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 other exciting <laughs> things to to do. But it also it kind of played with your head a little bit, especially towards the end of the season, where you'd not only was Norman by the end pretending, or not only was Norman see even now I'm getting confused, not only was Norman taken over by mother and and thinking that he was mother but then that mother character was pretending to be norman trying to convince um, sheriff green for example that norman is the person inside and so you're sort of uh, you end up like mimicking your own performance um and i guess pulling out various traits of things that you'd that you'd done yourself it was a bizarre a bizarre sort of twisted way of coming up with a, with something, but it, it plays into the humour, and I think that's you know you were, you were saying before, if it gets exhausting, and I think the humour in the show always kept it from being too you know sort of downtrodden or or too much, you know, or, and and at times you know didn't veer into melodrama, and I think Vera, you know, what she brought, she's obviously brought so much to the show from the very beginning but i think one thing she identified really early on was the necessity to have that humor um to have not only the joyful moments in norma and that happiness but playing into you know moments where you laugh out loud uh and and i think you know this even the la- the episode last night the finale i think is one of the funniest that <laughs> that we've done it's um you know norman there's just an inherent humor to someone who's living on their own in a house thinking that they're living with a dead person. I mean, it, it, it's sad and, and tragic in his case, but it's also very funny.
0: At the screening, There was a screening last night for the, with the mm-hmm. finale for Academy members, and I was surprised at how much laughter there was in the episode because when I was watching it by myself... Um, I had a slightly different experience, but as I listened to the laughter at some of the moments, like the scene with Dylan and Norman at the end, where uh, where Norman is like, "Well, I disagree with you," <laughs> um, that got a huge laugh in, in the room. And it really is a very funny line. It's interesting how you know, with a different audience, you you, you see the humor and maybe in a way you didn't the first time when you're watching it alone.
1: Yes, yes, certainly the. It's also moments that are that that are funny but you don't, you don't need to laugh out loud but yeah. there's a sort of wry smile that you get right. inside um, and, and you always play the truth I mean that's what Vera's done so brilliantly you know it's always grounded in reality and in emotional reality and never it's never playing up the humour for the, for the sake of it or mm. searching for a joke or searching for this sort of punchline and the show was never written that way but, but it's just being aware of the comedy of the, of the situation I guess and, and, yeah, the, the irony is, as you say, Norman's saying, I, I disagree. I, I, she isn't dead to me. <laughs> um, but for him, it's very much true, and it's that sort of heartbreaking mix of, of the humour from the outside, but from his perspective, it's all he's got.
0: When we first see Norman in drag, um, I remember thinking beforehand that this could potentially be a very campy, moment mm-hmm. it didn't feel campy though it was one of those sort of wry smiles like you say uh, and I think it speaks to how grounded this character was and you kind of you knew he wasn't well um, and it wasn't just like oh haha ha, it's a man in a dress mm-hmm. kind of thing that said what was it like on that day when you were you know in Norma's get up for the
1: first time what was that a, a unique day on
0: the set was it <laughs> was there
1: laughter Yes, I guess I, you know, I had to keep reminding myself or people kept reminding me to keep my legs closed or, you know, folded over one another. No man spread it. Uh, No. Um, So that took a bit of getting used to. But no, I, I guess, you know, wearing the high heels and the dress and the wig. It seems funny saying it, but it kind of felt normal. Like there was, <laughs> it it just played into the truth of the situation. I think everyone had been so ready for it after all these years that it just felt like a natural progression, as opposed to, as you say, this sort of campy, you know, Norman playing a dress-up game. Um, and I guess it was funny that Vera and I would both be there in our matching dresses and matching wigs. Sort of this weird double act, going up and down the stairs together, like looking at them, looking in a mirror. But, um, but I know it's always, as you say, it's always been it's been grounded, and it's and I think you know you have to look at at, uh, at Vera's performance of Norma too, and Norma is, you know, she's she's very feminine and sexy and beguiling, but at the same time she's not a She's not this sort of wallflower who, you know, sits meekly in the corner. And so, it, the femininity that Norman found in her when he when he becomes her and that he takes on those qualities, weren't, in weren't uh, campy as you say. You know, the, the femininity of Norma is something very specific. And so, I think it would have been wrong to play up the aspects that that people might more have expected, but that would not be as true to the character.
0: Was Norman drawn to Mother
1: and in, in, in Norma in any kind of sexual way? I, th- I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, there are certain moments where it, it seemed to become more and more, you know, clear and explicit. I mean, the I can't remember which episode it was in season four, but um, where he's towards the end when he has the gun and she, or I think it's actually maybe the third one or the second one or the ninth one, somewhere in there. Um, And he has the gun and she has to seduce him in order to get the gun off him. And, you know, from her point of view, from Norma's point of view, I feel like it's something that she has to do. It's the only thing she can think of in the moment that will work. But it's playing on that truth that Norman is seduced by her and can be, you know, there's a confusion to it. It's not black and white. It's, I don't think he is, you know, it's, it, it's never black and white, I guess. But, but in that moment, certainly he was seduced by her. And, and they had a conversation about it, you know, the two of them him saying, you know, I think I am, I think I'm attracted to you. And I think he was, Yeah.
0: So with everything on your plate this season, you decided to direct your first episode and write your second. Why?
1: I, um, I always wanted to be a part of the show as much as possible. I mean, being in the writer's room was was amazing in seasons four and five, and uh, and I think it helped me you know, stay in that... Ba- I wanted to live in that Bates world year-round as opposed to coming in for the sort of four or five months and putting so much into it and then, you know, going away back to England and waiting to see what they came up with. So it was great to be involved continuously in in the show. And directing was something that I'd... Uh, that I'd, you know, been long intrigued... long intrigued me... Um, and I think it wasn't until doing Bates Motel that I realized it was something that I definitely wanted to do. Uh, and you realize the ways that you would contribute or start to shoot a scene or, you know, tell a story visually that Tucker, our, our main director over all these years, always did so brilliantly and seemingly effortlessly. But um, much of the style of the show and the, the beauty of it and, and that unique visual storytelling quality is uh, is to do with him and i think i was also lucky because nesta had done you know had directed a a couple of episodes before and did a another one in this last year and since he had done a good enough job i think they the executive producers felt that you know they could uh, they could trust another actor or well, another actor me and max both got to direct this this last year um, and so I guess we have to thank Nesta for not messing it up beforehand and, and allowing us to get a chance as well. The
0: show didn't do a lot of stunt casting over the years, but they did a big stunt <laughs> in Season 5, uh, Rihanna playing mm-hmm. Marion Crane. She has publicly expressed her adoration for the show. Uh, was Did she fangirl at all when she was on set?
1: <laughs> she did actually, yeah. Though she was always she was keen, especially out at the motel, you know, she had to have her photo by the sign and the photo of the two of us <laughs> on the steps up to the house. Um and that was what was, you know, exciting about working with her too. Not only was not only did she bring, I think, a a unique quality to Marion um and showing her to be this Modern woman, as opposed to the Marion Crane from from Hitchcock's film, um, but but that she was also just excited to be there and uh, and wanted to be a part of it, and you know, no one had forced her into coming. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What do you think Hitchcock would make of Bates Motel?
1: Hopefully, he'd um, think it was more of a I don't know, but a, a better attempt at. Um, you know having something to do with his original than the the version that just remade it shot for shot i mean he might think that one was a little pointless and that his one would um would have done just fine uh as opposed to that artistic exercise but i think um i think he'd have been on on the journey with it and i think it was loyal to the core things about what what made psycho so brilliant back then and has made it stand the test of time but at the same time it's become its own thing now and and we managed to move past the Psycho mythology in this last season having covered it for a couple of episodes and and move on into the future and I think he would have appreciated that and mm-hmm. I mean I loved in in the sixth episode for example that we get to see Psycho but from Norman's perspective and I think that that hopefully would have intrigued him. Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> Norman dies in the finale. Is there any part of you that had wished that had not happened so that...
1: We could do more seasons.
0: <laughs> or potentially
1: five years from now, maybe there could be a movie.
0: Or, oh, I see. Or, or any that the franchise could somehow live on in some form.
1: I know, it would be... Um, it, of course it crosses your mind that you... Uh, you know, to leave the options open somehow. I think it was the right end to the show. Um, and as Kerry has said so many times, it's sort of the only end that, that really made sense in, in terms of bringing Bates Motel to a close and finalizing this, you know, love story between Norman and his mother. But yeah, the, the, it certainly it does feel definitive. It's like, oh, he's dead, that's, that's that. Hmm. Then maybe we can go to Hawaii. Because Hawaii has always been there, you know, from the very first, um, from the pilot, I think it's mentioned, and, you know, came to fruition in a key way as a, as a metaphor at the end of season four when Norman says, you know, we can go to Hawaii, we'll just start over, it'll be beautiful, we can live by the beach and we'll you know, go and collect shells on the day, every day on the beach. Uh, and I think for him, that was his idea of heaven, was um, was him and Norma in this blissful state, and that's what he hoped to achieve by trying to kill the two of them. Uh, and so I'd like to imagine that now the, that they have, you know, finally made it to to Hawaii, and that they're sitting there on their beach together and I don't know whether we need someone's imagination you know, Dylan, to sort of be imagining this in order to make it into a TV show but it, it could be possible, you know the season six of Norman and, and Norma trying to work things through in heaven I'd watch it. <laughs> and sitting on their little, you know their shack in, on a beach in Hawaii I think it would be brilliant and yet they realise they still have the same old problems as, uh, as ever before And all the old ghosts come back to haunt them. You know, you got like Keith Summers and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Miss Watson. They're all there. Yeah. (laughs) Did you and Vera click instantly? Yes. Yeah, pretty pretty well instantly.
0: And had you met her before?
1: Never. No, I never met her.
0: When was the first time you met her?
1: Did you test together? What was that? No, I met her. I remember it clearly. Actually, we were in um, in the production offices in Vancouver. And she'd been there because she she was cast beforehand and she'd been there for, you know, maybe three or four weeks already and was settling her kids in to the school system there and sort of move out to Vancouver for that. And, yeah, I walked into the... I mean, there's not much of a story to it, but I walked into the production office and there she was and we sort of said hello and, uh, and that was that. That's where it all began.
0: And when was... So then when was the first time you actually we were playing the roles opposite each other. Was it a table read or was it...
1: Oh We did a table read. I always find the table reads to be a funny experience. I mean, there always seems to be this... I've never felt a, this, a, you know, a pressure in terms of table reads, but I feel like people are placing more and more of an importance on it. To so like, oh, does it work? Does it click? But you're sort of just reading the lines. I mean, you're sitting there around a table and it's um, hard to truly throw yourself into it. There are so yeah the, who uh, get fired off of i know I, I can't believe it. it it's yeah. truly it's 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 madness yeah anyway i I guess I just keep on you know reading s- things at the table the, <laughs> the way I always have done, and <laughs> I guess that's that, but yeah, so we kind of you know did our version of a table read or whatever it was yeah. on Bates hotel, and then um And then we just started shooting. I mean, there there really wasn't... We just went... I don't remember what the first thing was that we ever shot. But uh, we were just there, and off we went.
0: Uh, Was it hard to say goodbye to her? I mean, I'm sure you're always being in each other's lives, and you Mm. said you're you're really close friends, but you're never going to be that
1: kind of close that you were working on this show. No, probably not. Although... Although we, yeah, I think we're still believing that we will be. Um, I mean, now I'm, you know, I'm godfather to her son and she's still living out in Vancouver with her kids in school there and I just did this pilot in Vancouver. And so that very much felt like, oh, here we are, back together. (laughs) I went over for dinner like I always have done and it felt like nothing had changed. So I guess if that ends up happening and ends up happening in Vancouver, then it will very much feel like, you know, the family will be, will be back together again, to some extent. Um, but she, you know, her and her husband and kids very much became my family out there in, in Vancouver.
0: So you were referring to The Good Doctor, which is a yes. pilot you uh, shot for ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a medical show, obviously, The Good Doctor, from David Shore, who did House. Um, and so the pilot shot in, in Vancouver, and if it gets picked up to series, it will likely be in Vancouver as well.
1: I guess, I guess so. Uh, I mean, I think nothing's set in stone, given that it hasn't even been <laughs> picked up yet. So it's always hard not to get ahead of yourself. Um, but I think it's a really smart script. The uh, other actors were were amazing, and I think it's turned out really well. So we just have to wait and see. You know what what happens moving forward. But, um, no, I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: Was it hard not to compare the experience to Bates Motel?
1: Like, you, you show up that day and it's like, oh,
0: this isn't Bates Motel. Or were you able to really separate it and just, like, this is a new experience, I'm moving on, Bates Motel is over?
1: In a funny way, I think being in Vancouver helped make the segue from one to another Smooth, reasonably smooth. I mean, I was staying in exactly the same room as I had stayed in when I was filming Bates Motel. So it felt very familiar, and it felt like home. Um, and then it was an entirely new role and mostly a new group of people, although there were certain members of the crew who had worked on either the last few seasons or some seasons of, of Bates that were there. So it felt like there was that bridge, too, um, and i think i think overall being there made it made it a better experience of of change from one to another as opposed to it being confusing mm-hmm. um but of course it's 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 different uh but it it's equally as equally as exciting and i think there is something nice when you've to to play a new character again i mean i'm incredibly sad to say goodbye to norman um but it is exciting to start something else and do one episode with this character that's, that's so incredibly interesting um, and then think, yeah, I guess I could be doing, you know, more of this. And I think I've had, you know, I had such an amazing experience on Bates Motel that if I could do that all over again on, on something else, you know, I'd take it in a heartbeat.
0: What's the, the gist of The Good Doctor?
1: You, you're, are you sort of like a Doogie Howser type, you know... <laughs> No, he's. I've never. No, I've never watched that. Um, he. So he's. He's autistic, um, and also has these savant syndrome. He's got genius level skills in in certain areas that make him a wonderful surgeon. But at the same time, he is struggling with um, with. Interactions, struggling with the fact that he's not neurotypical and the challenges that that brings. And at the same time, the joys that someone who lives with autism can experience. And I think it's a very well-rounded, hopefully a very well-rounded portrayal of someone with autism that, um, that isn't purely focused on one aspect of what it's like to be autistic. But how someone who is autistic interacts in in the world and has their moments of their moments of joy, their moments of frustration, their moments of of anger, um, and how the experience of living in the world is is very different. Well, best
0: of luck with it. Fingers Thank you. Across. Yes. And. Uh... Congratulations on just an incredible five-year run on Bates Montal. It's been a real joy watching your performance, and uh, uh, I can't believe it's over. I'm a little heartbroken. Ser- seriously, it's, it was a, it was a very hard finale as, for me to watch and to say goodbye. But it's it, I did I do mean it, and I mentioned this last night at the screening that I'm grateful to have had that complete beginning to end experience and that satisfying experience that you, you don't always get with a TV show I imagine you feel the same
1: yes to be able to wrap it up yeah. in in the way that Carrie and Carlton always wanted it to be done it feels very satisfying and there's a lots of lots of people too that haven't seen Bates Motel it's funny because you live in this you you kind of live in a little bubble of interacting or talking with people who are either working directly on the show with you and so know all about it, or people that have been, you know, watching it over the, over the years. But you forget, you know, that the, mo- the majority of people have probably never heard of Bates Motel or have never, you know, ventured into watching it. And so there's something nice knowing that it will live on in that way, that those 50 episodes are always there. Um, And that even though it's the end for us, hopefully, you know, it can be a new beginning for other people who who have never watched it before.
0: Thank you, Freddie. No, thank you.